Are you curious about helicopters or wondering if a helicopter tour is really worth it? That's what we're talking about today. Welcome to the Alaska Uncovered podcast with me, your host, Jenny Twin Flaming. I bring you accurate, helpful, and entertaining information about Alaska travel and life in Alaska. My guest today is Don Campbell. A born and raised lifelong Alaskan, Don has worked in Alaska's visitor industry most of her career. During the pandemic, she took the plunge to become a pilot and started working for Alaska Helicopters. She is passionate about Alaska and flying, and I am really excited to talk with her about that today. Dawn, welcome to Alaska Uncovered. Thank you for being here. Hi, Jenny. Thanks for having me. It's wonderful having you. So to start off with Dawn, tell me, I know, spoil, I kind of wrecked it a little bit by saying you're a born and raised Alaskan, but tell me how you got to Alaska. Well, you know, I was born here, so <laughs> yeah, but my family history goes back quite far. Actually, my great-grandfather was um, born in Nulato, which is on the northern portion of the Iditarod Trail off the Yukon River. Mm -hmm. um, he was born here in 1913, so my family goes back quite a ways. Um, my dad wasn't actually born here. He was born in the Seattle area, and then after he went to uh, Vietnam and came back, he decided to go crabbing in the Bering Sea. And he just, he had always wanted to go to Alaska knowing that his grandfather um, had been here and that his father was born here. And uh, so he eventually uh, decided to, you know, he went down to Seattle, met my mom, they got married and then they moved to Alaska. So that was in the seventies, which was nice. a whole different time, you know, but um, yeah. basically they came here and I was born here and I absolutely love it. <laughs> Awesome. That is so cool. So let's start off with talking a little bit about flying in general. So tell tell me a bit about how and when you decided to become a pilot yourself. Kind of a funny story. And, you know, I know many people like when the pandemic first hit and it just shocked people in so many, so many ways. And um, for me, um, it was my passion has always been, you know, Alaska travel industry. I've been working in the travel industry since 1996. Um, and I was working for Visit Anchorage when the pandemic hit. And unfortunately, Visit Anchorage had to lay off the majority of their entire staff. So yeah. from 55 employees, they went down to 15. And unfortunately, I was one um, that lost my job. And it wasn't that I was, um, uh, you know, held on to, I, I was actually let go. So yeah. there was no guarantee that I would get my job back. Yep. And as many people, you know, experienced during the pandemic, it was it was depressing. And I had never in my life felt that type of a depression. Um, mm. But, you know, it was the kids, my kids are all grown up and gone. And my husband works, you know, he was in the Air Force still at the time, active duty. But I just felt such a, uh, um, I don't know, a loss. Like I just didn't understand what my purpose was anymore, what I was going to be doing. And, and I fell into a depression. Well you know, life went on and my, everyone was at home. So of course I made uh, really good friends with my neighbor across the street who was 11 <laughs> yes. and uh, she would come over and spend time with me every day Aww. and we'd paint rocks and we'd ride our bikes and we'd go for walks. And she, you know, she had to do her PE, you know, physical education stuff for online school. And so anyway, I always, I always refer to Ellie as my 11 year old best friend, but um, she's in high school now. And so we're not quite best friends anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, she, uh, she, her dad's a pilot. And one day we, you know, we were just doing stuff and, um, she said, oh my gosh, my dad took me flying yesterday. We went out to Knick Glacier and she's like, it was so cool. And I was like, wow. And she showed me some pictures and I was like smiling and I'm like, wow, that is so cool, Ellie. And, um, she went home that, that afternoon. She went back over to her house across the street and she said, dad, I, was telling Don about, you know, flying yesterday and she got so excited and she was smiling and I just haven't seen her that happy in so long. You know, she's been, she was so sad. And anyway, her dad then came over and said, Hey, do you want to go flying? And I was like, Oh yeah. I was like, when? And he goes right now. And I said, Oh, okay. You know, I was like, sure. And my husband was like, yeah, go, that sounds great. And so he took me flying and we flew out and he has a, a Cessna 180 um, out at Lake Hood. That's in the summer, it's on floats and in the winter, um, which we were still kind of in the winter at that point, you know, the lake wasn't unfrozen. 
So he had his bush on, which are the big, big wheels that can land just about anywhere. Um, And he took me flying and we were out for a couple hours and we went out to Eagle River where I grew up and the Klutna Lake and out to the Kinnick Glacier. And I took so many pictures and videos. And at one point he's like, here, try to fly the plane. And I was like, wow, you know, and I mean, of course, I wasn't in full control, but he was letting me, you know, make some maneuvers with the, the yoke. And anyway, I came back and just said, you know, I came back home and I told my husband, I said, you know what, I think I want to learn how to fly. And my husband goes, good, great, <laughs> do it. <laughs> and the funny thing about that was he was just, you know, he was sad that I was sad, you know, because yeah. he just was, he knew that I didn't have like really anything on the horizon. You know, what was I going to do? Yeah. Um, not only did I lose my job with Visit Anchorage, but I also play, I've played for now 30 years with the Anchorage Symphony Orchestra. I play string bass professionally. And that also came to an abrupt stop. You know, there was no... Yeah live concerts or rehearsals. And so anyway, my husband just thought, oh my gosh, this is something, wow, this would be really cool. My wife was a pilot, right? So at that point, I just kind of started, um, you know, really looking into what it would take for me to learn how to fly. And never in my adult life had I ever had time on my hands where I could possibly do something like this. And it was the perfect distraction and the perfect opportunity for me to um, take advantage of all the extra time that I had on my hands. That's so cool. That is yeah. such a great story. So, so how I, long yeah. have you been flying now? Has it been three years? So it'll be um, four years coming up in May. Awesome. Um, oh. Yeah. So I did my ground school and le- started learning to fly at the Air Force Base here in Anchorage because my husband was active duty. I was able yeah. to you know, start learning there. But um, then I came up with another great idea. (laughs) And, and the salesperson in me here is what really shone through at this point. Um, (laughs) I convinced my husband somehow without a job that, you know, me without a job that we should buy an airplane. (laughs) Oh, well done. That is next level sales right there for sure. Yeah. So I, a friend of ours, that's a pilot for FedEx. He said, he saw that on my Facebook that I was learning how to fly. And he said, Hey, do you want to buy my airplane? And I was like, uh, maybe. (laughs) And I just, I had, I I mean, I never really thought that I'd ever own an airplane. And, um, so anyway, I said to my husband, Hey, you know, this might actually be a really good idea. You know, if we buy an airplane, I don't have to pay to rent one. You know, I know we have to pay for all the other things that go along with having an airplane, but I did my homework and, um, was able to buy a beautiful 1975 Cessna 172, um, uh, awesome. which is, I still own now and I fly it all the time. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Love it. Yeah. Uh, so what was the biggest challenge for you when you were learning to fly? I think in general, like learning to fly in Alaska, the challenges can be, you know, the weather, um, the mountains. Um, that's not something that most people like in other parts of the country are dealing with mountain, mountain flying, um, which is, has a lot to do with like weather and clouds and winds. Yep. Um, so I would say that the biggest challenges, um, would be learning weather patterns. Like it's something that I was not really super familiar with. Um, so there was a lot, I think a lot of the challenge would be in the logistical parts of flying, you know, what you have to do in planning and um, all that to make sure that you're flying and safely and know what's coming, Yeah, um, which is hard to predict in Alaska because there aren't weather stations everywhere. Um, there are cameras that are run by the FAA where you can kind of look at weather in different places where you're not getting like real accurate weather reports, um, but you can look through the camera systems of the FAA um, cameras and, and kind of see what's happening with the weather. But I would say that was probably the biggest challenge learning to fly in Alaska would be, you know, weather. And then once you get into the winter time, you know, you have, sorry, my little dog. Once you get into the winter time, you have a lot of um, darkness. So there's not a lot of populated areas of Alaska. So once you, once you fly in the winter time in the darkness, you, you lose all reference of land basically when it's dark and there's no lights down below anywhere. Um, so that's a difficult thing about Alaska is that you don't really yeah. have a point of reference and you have to really, really pay attention when you're learning your instruments in your, in your airplane. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that I, that's not something I would have thought of would be that, I mean, even though I know that from living there, but the impact yeah. of short days on, especially learning to fly. Yeah. And, and it was funny because I, you know, I thought too, also like, wow, it's going to be weird when, like, how do you land in the winter? You land on ice and you land on snow and 
you know, yeah, you do. You just don't use your brakes as much as you do in the summer. <laughs> yeah. But yep. I mean, as long as you have a long enough runway, you you can just get a long rollout. But um, yeah, it was quite different. Like being in the, in the winter, you know, you have to plug your airplane in, like you do cars here in Alaska yep. and you have to make yep. sure the engine heats up beforehand and stuff. So, um, ideally you should, if you can, you should fly year round in Alaska because the winter is something special. Yeah, it sure is. That's so cool. Okay. What is your favorite thing about flying? Oh my gosh. Just being able to get to places that you cannot reach by road. And you know, this, um, in Alaska, there are so many places that are not road accessible. Yes. And having that freedom to just, you know, spend, fly out for the day and go have lunch at a roadhouse in the middle of nowhere, or, you know, fly to a remote, uh, location and land, you know, there's runways all over Alaska, believe it or not. Um, and, and I would say my favorite part is just being able to access places that you just simply can't get to any other way than usually by boat or by air. Yeah. Um, most places are accessible by boat, but that could take some doing as well, like depending on what type of boat you have and how many rivers you have to take to get to the river that that village is located on or, you know, yep. whatever location you're going to. Um yep. But that that would be my favorite part. It's just um, the freedom that you feel when you're flying is just absolutely incredible. And the scenery and what you see from above is 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 so different than what you see when you're driving on the road. <laughs> yeah, that is so true. Yeah. So, Dawn, what advice do you have for other women who might be thinking about becoming pilots, especially, say, in the middle of their career? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, One of the things I would say that I would suggest um, is like, if you have the time to do that, do it. (laughs) It's such a male dominated um, profession, you know, flying. Um, There's so many male pilots. And I think that, you know, it's interesting that women tend to kind of shy away from it just because they feel like it's something that is typically more of a male, you know, position Mm -hmm. of being a pilot. But if you're doing it for yourself, um, you'd be surprised when you're learning how many other women you hear on the radio, you know, making calls to the tower and, you know, things like that. So I would say as long as you have the time that you need to dedicate to it, um, do it Um, and don't make it just be a, you know, a dream that you have forever and ever. Because um, as long as you have the time to dedicate to it, you should go for it. Uh, That would be another thing is like the time. If you don't have a lot of time, it's very difficult to learn how to fly because the repetition yeah. you really need to fly. You can't just do be a weekend warrior. You can't just go on the weekends because you you gain you know some ability and then you just go backward. You go forwards. You go backwards. You know, because right? If you're, you're not doing it constantly, practicing um, really, all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's it's really one of those things that you really almost just have to dedicate so much time to, and you really really have to have the time to dedicate to it. Otherwise. Um, so many other things in life will get in the way and you you simply will just keep, it, it will take a very long time and a lot of money to learn if you don't give yourself the um, adequate yeah. time to do that. Yeah, that's really good advice. But I would say just being a woman, in some cases, people are like, oh, that's a man's job, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and it isn't in any way. I think there's plenty of women out there that, um, you know, that fly. And for yeah. me, I've always kind of wanted to do the things that the guys are doing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's from like <laughs> growing too. up in Alaska, you know, yeah. I always wanted to and hunt. And I always did those things with my dad. Um, you know, so I think that that's kind of, I don't know, some, there's a lot of women out there that are like that. And I would yeah. t- absolutely encourage them to follow their, their gut instinct. If they want to learn how to fly, they should do it. Cause women are really good at multitasking. Um, they're very, very good at, um, you know, taking on lots of different things at a time. And I would say they're yeah. probably in many cases, better pilots than men because they're, they take lower risk. Mm, yeah. 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 Yeah, I wouldn't say better pilots. I'd say maybe sometimes safer pilots because they're yeah. more risk uh, aware. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Cool. Okay, so Don, so far we have been talking about your experience flying small fixed wing planes, and we're going to transition a little bit here into talking about helicopters since you work with helicopters. And to start that, I would love to have you share for folks a little bit about what is different between a fixed wing plane and a helicopter. And I think people probably know, like, you have a picture in your head of an airplane, you have a picture in your head of a helicopter, you know what they look like. But I'm thinking more about if someone is 
considering doing flight scene, say, while they're in Alaska, like, what are some things to think about in deciding between doing fixed wing versus a helicopter? Absolutely. That's a great question. And I get asked it a lot. Um, Me too. <laughs> my time, yeah, absolutely. And in my time at Visit Anchorage, I was fortunate because I would train travel agents and tour operators. And I got to go on a lot of um, familiarization tours with them in fixed wings um, before I was a pilot, you know, um, fixed wing planes and also in helicopters. And really the major, major difference is where they can land. Um, a helicopter can literally land anywhere big enough for the footprint of the helicopter, you know? So it's just yep. absolutely mind boggling where they can land safely and let you get out of the helicopter. And that's a huge part about like, you know, the company that I work for, what, where we land. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Yeah. Um, but flight seeing, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say one is better than the other because I've had some like just incredible experiences in fixed wing flight seeing in Alaska. Um, you know, going, taking off and landing on water is just, just something that everyone in their in life should experience, it's you know, taking so cool. off in a float yeah. plane or on pontoons um, and landing in those beautiful lakes and, you know, rivers and ocean, you know, all these places that you can land. Um, but flight seeing up to Denali is, you know, incredible in a fixed wing airplane, you know, yeah. from Talkeetna. Yep. So, you know, that's a totally different experience. Um, but when you're really focused on landing in a small landing zone or somewhere very um, unreachable or somewhere that you would not be able to land in an airplane, that's where the helicopters come in. And, you know, depending on the helicopter that they're flying, sometimes they can be a little bit faster um, than an airplane, but they also um, burn a lot more fuel. So when you're yep. thinking about the cost of uh, flight seeing, Typically, a helicopter flight scene trip is going to be a little bit more expensive based on the amount of flight time that you have. Yep. Yes. So th those are some of the differences. Um, you know, I love that no matter if you're in an airplane or a helicopter, typically most of the uh, tour companies, you're, you're always guaranteed a great view, you know. So yeah. I wouldn't yep. say that there's much of a better view because um, all of our fixed wing pilots up here, most of them are in high wing aircraft, which are um, you know, you're not ever sitting where you can't see down because um, you're not sitting above the wing. Right. So typically in both helicopters and airplanes, you have great views. Yep. That's totally true. And if you can't see anything, you're probably not flying that day. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's the other thing. Um, you know, airplanes do actually require quite a bit more um, clearance, you know, um, as far as weather. Um, helicopters can, they fly a lot lower, so they can fly very low to the ground and they don't necessarily need the ceiling to be as high as a, yeah. as a fixed wing airplane. Yep. Um, so a lot of times people will think, well, gosh, it's kind of cloudy today, but we can fly under the clouds and never, ever get into the clouds, yep. um, in a helicopter and, and still have an amazing experience. So a lot of times if people are afraid of heights, a helicopter might be a better experience for them. Yeah. The other thing I would say is really different about helicopters is the turbulence that you feel. You really, it's a much, much smoother ride. So yeah. if anyone has ever been in a small airplane, um, I am very, very lucky that I never get any kind of motion sickness ever of any kind yeah. on the water or in the air. But the people that do get a little bit of motion sickness, if they've been in a small plane, it might make them feel discouraged to ever try a helicopter. But yeah. I will say that a helicopter is definitely smoother and it's how the air hits the rotors. It, it's just very, very different than how an airplane flies through the air and how they glide. Yeah. A helicopter yeah. is just a very different aerodynamics. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I often tell people, you know, because if you go in a small fixed wing plane flight scene, it it's going to be different than like flying in a jet, but it's still an airplane, right? It has wings and, yeah. you know, you kind of can see, you know, if you're, if you've flown anything before, it's a little more familiar. And, and I sometimes describe a helicopter. I don't know if you'd agree with this, but I feel like it's sort of like, a glass elevator that kind of moves yeah. in all directions. Like it doesn't really feel, it feels very different from an airplane very. to me. Absolutely. The way because airplanes are and... always moving forward. So helicopters, yes. you know, they can <laughs> right. go straight up. They can go kind of go backwards. They can spin around in a circle. You know, I mean, there's, but there's never a, a time more, yeah. they're just hanging there. Yeah. I mean, they can hover. Yeah, they can hover. Like, it's amazing what we do hovering above things where they're just yeah. sitting above something and looking down and they're not yeah. even moving. You know, they're just hovering. Yeah. So, I mean, that's yeah, I meant the fixed part. wing plane can't oh, do that. Oh, right. It has to keep oh. moving forward. 
Yeah. <laughs> or it's bad. <laughs> they have to keep moving forward. <laughs> yeah. Or in a circle or some some variation of forward. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I know. And um, I wouldn't say that one's better than the other. I just think that they're very different. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, for folks who listen to the podcast regularly and, you know, my husband, Jay, who's often on the pod, he has done a lot of, he's been in helicopters quite a bit in Alaska, um, professionally, like as an archeologist, but also as a doing search and rescue. And one of the reasons is like what you were saying, Don, you can kind of go anywhere and you can also sort of stop and look at something below you for a minute, which obviously an airplane can't do that but yeah. you know they use a lot of fixed wing planes too so i think it does just kind of depend on the situation yeah right cool okay we're gonna take a short break and when we come back we're gonna talk a little bit more about the types of helicopter tours that you can do with alaska helicopter tours where don works so we'll be right back Hi everyone, Jenny here. I just wanted to drop in and let you know other ways that I can help you plan your trip to Alaska beyond just this podcast and the articles on my website. So there are three ways that I can help you if you would like more help from me getting your trip off the ground. And since January is planning month here at the Alaska Uncovered podcast, it's a great time to take advantage of these. So the first thing is I have three planners. So it's a digital planner and workbook. You can also print it out. And um, one of them is called the Alaska Adventure Planner. And that is the one for you if you're planning a trip on your own to different places uh, in Alaska. Then I also have one for folks planning cruises. And I also have one for folks planning the awesome drive all the way from the lower 48 up to Alaska. So that's the first way is my planners. The second way is I do one-on-one -on -one travel planning with folks. It's super fun. Uh, we just hop on Zoom and you ask me all your questions and I answer them. And those are 30 minute sessions and you can book them directly online. The link to that is in the show notes along with the link to the planner. And then finally, if you want me to just do the whole thing for you, everything from figuring out um, the best activities for you and your travel crew, where to stay, where to go, how much is too much, what to leave out, all of that stuff, I do that too. I do full custom Alaska itinerary planning, both for cruises as well as independent trips. And I would love to work with you on that. Um, in the show notes as a link to the page with more information. And you can hop over there if you would like me to plan your trip for you. So we are back. We are back with Don Campbell from Alaska Helicopters. And we've been talking quite a bit about her experience uh, with learning to fly herself and a fixed wing plane. And then we're kind of transitioning into talking a little bit more about helicopters. So I will just break in here and say, if you are visiting Alaska, there are quite a few places where you can do helicopter tours. And one of them is Alaska Helicopter Tours, which is located in Palmer, fairly close to Anchorage. And um, you can get there from Anchorage. I know Don's going to talk about that. So Don, tell everybody a little bit about the types of helicopter experiences people can have with Alaska helicopters? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, our the highest on our list, I would say, um, and our main base of operations where our helicopter tours depart from with Alaska helicopter tours is the Alaska Glacier Lodge, which is out in the Knick River Valley. Um, formal, formerly, it is in the city of Palmer, or that's where the, the location, the address is located. Um, but it's at the very end of the Knick River Road. And from Anchorage, it's about an hour to get out to the Alaska Glacier Lodge on the Knick River Road. Um, you go north on the Glen Highway, and of course, you know, you could drive yourself or you could use our shuttle service that I'll talk a little bit more about. Um, but most of our tours depart from there, and there's a really great reason. Um, we are the very end of the road. So past our lodge, um, there's nothing else. You can't see any homes or buildings or no, you can't see anything from the lodge except for nature. Um, you're overlooking the Kinnick River Valley. Well, right around the corner from our lodge is the terminus of the Kinnick Glacier. 
um, which is, I would say, the high point of, it's kind of the focal point of all of our tours. Um, all of our tours that depart from the lodge land on a glacier. So there's a glacier landing involved, whether you do a one-hour Knick Glacier Landing Tour or you do a two-hour Grand Knick Tour. Um, basically, you just, the more time you have and the more money you spend, the more you can see. <laughs> So right. <laughs> I would say the, the highlight of Alaska glacier tour, I'm sorry, Alaska helicopter tours is that you get to land on a glacier. Now yeah. it's not just any glacier because the Kinnick glacier is very special. It has these incredible blue azure like melt pools. They're absolutely stunning. They're that turquoise gorgeous color. A lot of times you'll see them when you're flight seeing, like if you go up to Denali and go flight seeing, you'll see these blue pools below, but those planes can't land down there where those pools are. So the helicopters right. will land people right next, right on the shore of that glacial pool, which is on the glacier. Um, and then you get to get out and walk on the glacier and you can take a water bottle with you and drink pure, fresh glacial water. Um, so it's really, our focus is really about the glaciers. Um, I would say that that's not, I would say that's one of our best selling tours, the, uh, um, the, the glacier landing, just the general one hour tour. I love the Grand Connect tour because it's a two hour tour and you get to land in three different locations. So of course you get that's that highlight cool. of that glacier pool, which is like, everyone wants to do that. Once they see a picture of that blue water, they always want to, you know, land there. But the other two locations are kind of to the pilot's discretion. It could be over on the shores of Lake George with this stunning view of Colony Glacier. I and mean, it could be up on a high mountain ridge overlooking the entire Glacier Valley. Um, there's, there's so many different places. Sometimes they land at this beautiful waterfall. I mean, there's just so many places to land. And the crazy thing is once you're out there, you're not seeing other helicopters. The area is quite large. So even though there's other tours out and about during the same time frame, you're not, you're not seeing them because they're not all going to the same place. Um, the other really, really popular thing that we sell is glacier dog sledding. Yeah. So we take you, yeah, via helicopter, um, up to what we call, it's called Cataract Glacier, like Cataract, like an eye. Um, Cataract Glacier is a hanging glacier in the Knick River Valley, and it's up above 4,000 feet. So you go up a little bit higher on that tour, um, and that's where there's a snowfield sitting on top of the glacier. So when you're when you're going dog sledding, you're not going to be next to one of those beautiful melt pools because that happens where there's, you know, crevasses and melting going on in pools. Um, the dog sledding tours are absolutely phenomenal and by far our best seller. Um, we actually work with Dallas CV, who's a five-time Iditarod champion. Um, his kennel, they set up a summer camp up there. So we have dog sledding from May through September, which is longer than anyone else in Alaska that does like a summertime dog sledding tour. Yeah. And it is really, really phenomenal because you get up there. Not only are the views absolutely incredible, but you're working with like real Iditarod dogs. You know, they've either been... Uh, in an Iditarod race already, or they're training for one. And so they have a camp set up there, a base camp, um, and mushers and handlers that are up there all summer um, that kind of trade in and out as the helicopters come and go. Um, but it's an absolutely phenomenal experience. Um, you get the helicopter sightseeing and the dog mushing. And there's an option to add a lower glacier landing, which most people do, because if you once you do your um, dog sledding, then you can land at a glacier melt pool on your way back to the lodge. Um, that makes that tour, uh, again, that makes it a two-hour tour. Yeah. So, and that's really cool because, like you were just saying, Don, that gives people two really different glacier experiences in one tour. Like, one with the, we're on the snow, and one with, like, the cool blue pools. And it's really yeah. hard to get both of, I, I can't really think of another place where you can get both of those. Yeah, and it's... Tour. It's hard because a lot of um, travelers will see like their friends' pictures and they'll say, oh my gosh, you know, in fact, I had a woman that came up this um, this year and her husband had been here on her, they were travel agents and her husband had been here a couple of years ago and we took him up and landed on the Kinnick Glacier next to one of the pools. When she came up, she was going on a fam and she did the Denali flight scene and landed up on the Ruth Glacier. And she was like, oh, I'm going to land on the glacier. So her thought was, I'm going to see these blue melt pools. Well, she was in an airplane and landing on a glacial, um, like a snowfield on top of a glacier. Yeah. So totally, totally different experience. And that's the thing, you know, you really have to set your client's expectations or, yep. you know, you know, with what, where they're actually, what they're going to see when they get to the glacier. Yeah. And uh, helicopters are really the way to see those melt pools. So, yes. 
Yeah. And then we have from there, we have some incredible adventure itineraries. So I, I mean, I could go on all day about these. It's there's <laughs> so there much, some really you know, cool yeah. ones. So with those glacier melt pools, we do um, stand up paddleboarding tours where the helicopter takes you out with your guide and the, and the paddle boards and everything, and you paddleboard and they put you in full dry suits. Um, they give you these grippy shoes, so you get to actually get in the water and float in that glacial melt pool. Um, so that you know they prepare you so that if you do fall off the paddleboard, you know what you know how it feels and you're not scared. Yeah. Um, so the, the paddleboarding is like, blows your mind. I mean, honestly, yeah. the pictures I see and the people that do it, they, they come back and they just go, wow, wow. And they just can't really say anything else other than wow. Yeah. For like an hour, they just sit there and go, I don't even know how to explain it. Um, so that's one of them. We work with, um, Alaska Sundog guiding. They're our, our partners with our adventure tours. Um, uh, we do the stand up paddleboarding. If someone's not comfortable with a paddleboard, they also have pack rafts. So you can pack raft on the glacial melt pool. Um, they involve like a little hike with that too. So you're not, you know, it's a four hour tour and they include lunch. So you're not out on the water the entire time. That could sound very exhausting. Um, but they do it to whatever ability level uh, the group is and they That's have cool. guides out there with you. That's they so also cool. do our ice climbing and ice now paddleboarding is something you can only do in the summer those pools freeze over and and they're it's a totally different experience in the winter i should have mentioned that alaska helicopter tours operates year round um so there's not a day of the year that you couldn't go on a helicopter tour if you wanted to yeah um i know we're talking about year-round travel to alaska and some people think i'm crazy when i say come to alaska in the winter but oh it it's so awesome amazing <laughs> Folks, it's one of my favorite times of the year. Yeah, <laughs> folks who listen to this podcast already know that I'm a pretty big fan of winter travel yeah. to Alaska. Yeah, but I, especially this region of Alaska, because we're yeah. very much a maritime climate. We're very mild as far as winter temperatures go. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, we had a very cold November this year, yeah. but that's, you know, not always normal. And we also have, you know, plenty of places where you can rent gear and, you know, if you yep. dress properly, you're going to stay warm and it's, it's going to be totally. amazing. So it is going to be amazing. Um, other than the paddle boarding and we do ice climbing, like I said, um, with that company as well, Alaska Sundog Guiding, they are adventure partners um, and ice climbing in the summer, they actually climb down into glacial Mulans, which is just blow your mind, blue ice caves that you yeah. go into from on top of the glacier. And in the winter, they climb either on the icebergs or on the ice falls that come down the Knick Gorge. Um, so there's just some incredible adventure activities to do with them. We just also launched um, uh, heli mountain biking. So we do like a e-biking electric assist mountain bikes. We take you out to Lake George and drop you off with your guide and the bikes. We actually have racks on the helicopters that carry the bikes. Um, and you get out and you get to bike around um, the glacial lake with the iceberg floating in the summer. And then in the winter, you actually, I, you go right on the ice and through the iceberg. So um, just an incredible experience. If you have anyone that's interested in bicycling, uh, we do provide the gear and everything for that. So it's a really, really unique, uh, unique experience that can be offered year round, which is also really, really cool. And people ride their bikes to the Knick Glacier, but you have to ride many, many miles to get back to the glacier. This is where we actually take you via helicopter and then you get to bike. So you're not expelling all your energy, just getting to the glacier. Um, we also just launched heli ice skating. <laughs> that is super so, rad. That's got to be winter only, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Winter only. So those glacial melt pools, like we said, you know, they freeze over. And the good thing about that valley is that sometimes we get some good winds in the evening. They'll clear off those glacial pools. Um, or the lake, once it's frozen over, is a great place. Um, they'll take you out and you can skate, ice skate among the icebergs, which is really, really cool. So these are some unique adventure activities. You know, of course, it's going to be a little bit higher price point for those folks looking sure. to go on a tour. But when you're coming to Alaska and you're saving up your pennies to like do all the incredible things, really, really, you should consider saving up enough to do the adventure tours and the helicopter tours because, if you're only coming once and you're really saving up, I mean, you can do some really incredible activities. Yeah, that is so true. And uh, so I have not been on any of your like, big, you know, like the paddle boarding, ice skating, stuff like that. Yeah. However, we'll get you up there. <laughs> that, yeah, I would love it. It would be so fun. I had a client a couple of years ago, and this was shortly after I found out that you guys offered the paddleboarding and somehow I, that wasn't on my radar before. Maybe it was new. I'm not sure. But um, 
I I was like, okay, someday I'm going to have a client that this is going to be perfect for, right? And yeah. I had um, this guy who was like, um, oh, he was really fun to work with and was planning a really fun trip with his family and was like, you know, we want to do some big, like crazy adventures that not very many people do. And I was like, okay, this is the guy <laughs> to do the best. And they did it and they absolutely loved it. They were like, yeah. that was so fun. So yeah, I, well, and some people kind of shy away because they're like, oh, I don't know if I have the ability to do that, you know, but we have other tours that, you know, are, are more for like less yeah. adventurous, yeah. but they yeah. still want to get out and see that area. Yeah. You could yeah. do just a hiking tour with, um, Alaska Sundot guiding our partners where yep. they take you up, they drop you off and you just do a hike. Um, and we do that in the summer and the winter. Cause on, in the yeah. winter you do it on snowshoes, which yep. I have some pictures I could share with you that are just absolutely incredible. Oh, um, so they fun. really have a little bit, something for everybody, including photography tours. We have a lot of photographers that want to go up and do those hiking tours yep. so that they can get pictures of those glacier landscapes. It's, yep. it's absolutely stunning. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah. a couple logistics questions, Dawn. Um, so specifically for Alaska helicopter tours, for getting to Palmer, what are people's options? You know, if you have a rental car, of course, you can just drive there. Um, yeah. But for folks who might be, say, staying in the Anchorage area and they don't want to rent a car or they can't, or maybe they're in Anchorage for a few days before or after a cruise, like, yeah. what are some, I know that you have a shuttle that takes people out there. So could you talk a little bit about um, yeah. what you offer and, you know, how people do that? Absolutely. Yeah. Rental car is, is, um, we see a lot of folks that self-drive, but, um, that's another thing. I mean, that could be a whole nother podcast about driving in Alaska. Um, yeah. It really yeah. is a lot easier than people would assume. And mainly yeah. because we just don't have that many roads. Um, but the one thing that growing up here that I took, um, kind of, I didn't realize that roads in the rest of America are very straight. <laughs> and in Alaska, the roads are sometimes very curvy. <laughs> So I think that could be a little intimidating to people, but um, in general, we have quite a few people that like, even if you're in Anchorage for a day, if you're a group of like, say, say a family group of um, five or six, you know, that want to go on a helicopter tour, it might be less expensive to rent a rental van, like a minivan and, and rent it for the day. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people worry about, you know, the availability of rental cars or the price of rental cars, but sometimes that rental car for the day, you might be able, not be able to get it for a whole week long span, but you might just be able to get a car for a day. Yeah. Um, and that could be less expensive. But when you take the whole need to drive and the responsibility of driving off of someone, um, it's really nice to be able to take a shuttle. And we yep. offer a shuttle service that is starts very, very early in the morning. Um, we, we do multiple pickups all over at different midtown and downtown Anchorage, uh, locations. So cool. no matter where you are, we can come get you. Um, and that is scheduled at the time when you schedule your tour. Awesome. Um, it's, it's inexpensive really compared to, you know, other shuttle services, but it's $69 per person round trip to get yeah. to the lodge and back. And it's kind a of great a, deal, kind of a tour in itself. I mean, you get the history of, you know, when you're driving from Anchorage and you pass, Eagle River, where is where I grew up, a small town yep. outside of Anchorage. You pass by Eklutna, which is where our water comes from, Eklutna Lake, for all mm -hmm. of the Anchorage municipality. And then you drive out into the Matanuska Susitna Valley, which absolutely gorgeous. And the Old Glen Highway is just a windy, you know, highway that's just so stunningly beautiful right along the Kinnick River. Um, so the scenery that you see along the way and the animal wildlife sightings that are possible on your way there are really stunning. And yeah. it's nice to have a guide telling you a little bit about the area and maybe yeah. a little bit about the native peoples of this area. Yep. Um, so it's really a great opportunity to not have to have someone focus on driving. Yeah. Uh, maybe you want to stop in at the lodge and um, have a have a glass of beer or wine after your tour yeah. to celebrate. Um, so anyway, it, it can be a very, very good option. And we offer that yeah. year round. We have shuttle awesome. service year round. Cool. And same goes, they could use that shuttle service if they want to stay at the lodge. They could use that to get there. Um, and to get back to Anchorage. But in that case, they would charge you $69 each time because you're taking out a round trip um, seat. Right. Um, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, cool. and I would tell people also that if you just have a day in Anchorage, like say you get in at one o'clock in the morning, which is very common when flying to Alaska. Yeah. You know, it's a really weird <laughs> time of day. And yeah. people are always super concerned that there's not going to be a, a rental or that there's not going to be a taxi. There's so many taxis at the airport at one o'clock in the morning. It's yeah. just bizarre. Yeah. The airport um, is crazy at one o'clock in the morning. It's, the like, it's completely bananas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So, um, 
like, you know, landing in Anchorage and going to your hotel and, and then say you have like a um, one day in Anchorage. No problem. You could 100% take a helicopter tour. Yep. Um, And, you know, same goes with pre or post cruise. You know, if you come in on a cruise and you take the train into Anchorage or take a shuttle service from Seward or Whittier up to Anchorage, we could totally pick you up in our shuttle, take you out to the lodge and you could do a helicopter tour and back to Anchorage before you have to get on your flight that leaves Anchorage at, let's say, 10 between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. Um, So, you know, lots and lots of opportunities for people, even if you're not spending a whole lot of time on land. Yep. Yes. Awesome. Great. Thanks for talking about that. All right. So going to one more question about like flight scene in general, before we move into our wrap up questions. Um, What advice do you have for someone who's never been in a helicopter before and they're getting in a helicopter for the first time? What advice do you have? I would just say to try just, you know, if you're nervous about it, just, just try to relax and, and, and realize that, um, you're you're probably going to be really sad if you don't give it a try (laughs) because I've had people that were very nervous and like, I just don't think I can do it. And when they came back from the tour, they said, wow, I don't know. I can't imagine not having taken that opportunity to do that. Yeah. Even people that have had big fears, you know, about it. Um, I would say that, you know, being a commercial operator, you know, we value safety and, you know, maintenance of our helicopters as one of our highest standards. Um, So know that when you're going out with our company that, you know, we take that very, very seriously. Um, And, I think that just to know that you're not going to be going very far, you're only going to be in the helicopter for a short period of time. Um, Typically you're never in the helicopter for more than about 15 minutes at a time at the most before you actually land and get out. Um, And when you get out, I forgot to tell you, they give you crampons. They, the pilots put crampons on your feet. And so you can walk all over on the ice without worrying about falling. So that's really cool. (laughs) Yeah, it is really cool. Yeah. So I would say just, you know, try to relax. Um, and, and realize that it's not going to be as turbulent as you thought, and you're not going to go as high as you would imagine. You're going to yes. stay fairly low where you're always going to be able to see the ground at a very, you know, close distance. Yep. Okay. So Don, is there any chance that you might start flying helicopters someday, <laughs> or is it always going to be, or do you think it's going to be fixed wing for you? You know, the funny thing is that when I um, decided to leave Visit Anchorage, it was because I got this great opportunity to work in aviation with Alaska Helicopter Tours and still be doing similar to what I was doing, where I get to talk about all things fun in Alaska. <laughs> and th- one of the things that they mentioned um, when they offered me the job was they they would allow me to add my rotor onto my fixed wing license. Um, and I haven't started yet, but it's still kind of there, you know, it's kind of, I'm kind of thinking about it. Yeah. Um, but one of the advice I have is like, if you don't have the time to really commit to it, then, you know, it makes it very difficult. So I'm just kind of waiting for that right opportunity. You know, now that I've been at Alaska helicopter tours since, um, April, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping that once I have my job fully under my belt and I'm able to like, um, put a little bit more, devotion into the time it would take to get my uh, rotor, you know, helicopter license as well. I think I will. I think I'll learn and we'll see how it goes. Um, uh, My friend at work, the GM actually told me, he's like, there's people you can either hover or you can't. (laughs) And so I think when you're first learning how to like fly a helicopter, the very first, one of the first things you learn is how to hover. And it's a, it's a technique that, um, you know, you either kind of have a knack for it or you don't. And if you don't, probably aren't going to be a helicopter pilot. Yeah. So I'm happy being a fixed wing pilot and I absolutely love it. And another thing is I know I, I'd never be able to afford my own helicopter. Um, I don't yeah. know that I would ever want to fly commercially just because I enjoy flying on my own and I don't know that yeah. I want it to be my job. Yeah. Um, but there is, there is, there is some opportunity out there and I haven't closed the, the door on it. I just, I'm just not sure yet. <laughs> okay. Well, it'll be fun to see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay. So Don, to finish up, I have three questions for you that are the same questions that um, I ask all of my guests on the podcast. And since we have quite a few episodes about Anchorage now, uh, we're getting a little body of restaurants 
and things to do <laughs> recommendations, which is pretty fun. So um, the first question is, what is your favorite restaurant in Anchorage? Oh, gosh, that's a really hard one. One of my favorite restaurants just um, they just sold to a new owner and I haven't been since until so now since the new owner's taken over. So I'm not going to mention that one. Okay. Um, but okay. one of, one of my favorite restaurants, it's kind of off the beaten path and not as well known to like visitors because it's not in their, your daily viewing like downtown, yeah. um, is the Kincaid grill. And it's mm. over off of Jewel Lake and raspberry. It is absolutely phenomenal. So Kincaid grill is, is one of my very top recommendations. Um, if you're staying downtown, of course, you'd have to take like an Uber or a cab or drive over there, but yeah. it is a hundred percent worth the drive. It's amazing. And it's not that far. <laughs> what? Yeah. What kind of, what kind of food is it best for? Is it like a dinner spot? Or- yeah, definitely dinner. Okay. It's, it's, it's cl- more, I would say it's more sort of fine dining than most other places, but it's kind of, okay. um, it's interesting when you pull up because it's it, the location is in like this kind of a strip mall. And also in that mall is where Tasty Freeze is. So you drive up and you're like, is this really the place that she suggested? <laughs> but when you walk in and you see their wine list and their seafood and their, I mean, they're just absolutely phenomenal. Love it. In fact, Jenny, next time you're here, we'll have to go eat there so you can see yeah. for yourself. Um, that would be so fun. Incredible. I would love that. I haven't, that is not a place I've been. And I'm always yeah. looking for new ideas. So yeah, so awesome. let's let's make a date next time you're here. We'll go okay, there. let's do it. I'd love that. Okay, what is your favorite month in Anchorage? Oh, this is a very loaded question. I know it is. <laughs> I <laughs> that's why know, it's so fun to ask people. It's so hard. I think I would say I think my favorite month is probably September. Yeah, um, and I I say that you know, because I really have a hard time figuring out, I think it's September. It might be July because my birthday's in July, but um, (laughs) I would say September just because of the massive amount of things that you can still do. The wildlife is still out. The colors start turning beautiful. Yep. Um, The weather is just, you know, kind of a little bit unpredictable, but also still pretty mild. Um, We really haven't gotten into those winter temperatures. You know, we're starting to get cool at night, which I love that. And also that you can totally see the Northern Lights in September. So it's kind of like the best of all things are in September. You know, the wildlife, their antlers are as big as they're going to get They're, You know, I mean, they're just, it's just, it's just a very magical time of year, I think. And oftentimes people think that they need to come in June, July, or August, you know, like in the, what they would consider summer. Um, But September is probably my favorite month of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's kind of a loaded question, but I think part of it too is like, it is a little bit different if you're a visitor versus if you live somewhere. Yeah. You know, like, like, well, the last time I saw you in person was in October in Fairbanks and right. <laughs> Jay and I used to live in Fairbanks. And when we were there, we were like, oh, October is such a great month. And I don't remember thinking that when I, that it was great when I lived there. <laughs> like, <laughs> but we were talking about how if you, if it, it lands a bit differently when it's getting, it's starting to get legit cold and legit dark. And yeah. that's the next six months of your life is a little bit different from when you're. Absolutely. But I think September is kind of a crowd pleaser for ev- for everybody. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just, you know, a little less busy than yep. some of the peak summer season and yep. there's still so much to see. And, um, you know, I mean, there's definitely benefits to early summer too. I, I have a hard time figuring out, you know, yeah. when I tell people to come like either May or September, I'm kind of like, yeah. well, there's advantages to May with the young wildlife, you know, the babies are all being born Yep, and that's something special too, you know, and plus the foliage isn't as thick on the tree so you can see wildlife better. Yep. But I mean, there's just so many benefits to so many different types of times of the year. That's so I mean, true. if, yeah. if the question was, what's your favorite month between this month and this month, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, and then my favorite winter month, I think, would be March. It's yeah, definitely stunning. I mean, yeah. the snow and the daylight and the northern lights and yep. you know, so many winter activities. So, yep. just depends totally on agree with that what people are looking for. Yeah, and what part of the state too? I mean, you know, yeah. we're talking specifically about Anchorage for this, but like September is not as great of a month in Southeast Alaska. Right, it's pretty rainy <laughs> you know. in Southeast yeah. during September. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't have um you know, it, yeah, it's just different. So anyway, absolutely. Okay. It is very different depending on where you go. So. Yes. Okay. So finally, Don, what is your favorite thing to do in Anchorage? 
in Anchorage specifically? Well, the Anchorage area. Yeah. Well, I mean, my favorite thing to do is fly. (laughs) Yeah. Love it. So, I mean, great answer. If if you don't come to Alaska and get in the air somewhere, you're missing out. I mean, that is by far my favorite thing. But if it was a land based thing that you could do from Anchorage, I would say probably riding a bike on the coastal trail is one of my favorite things to do. Um, Not only for the possible wildlife sightings, the views, um, the exercise, the fresh air. Yep. Um, it is just a really beautiful trail that is so accessible from downtown. Yep. Um, and it's just, it's very easy. You know, people get intimidated. They're like, well, what if there's a bunch of hills? And I mean, even if you get an electric assist bike, it is such a cool ride. Um, so yeah, I would say that's probably one of my very favorite things to do. Yeah. Um, and the hiking trails that we have right in the Chugach mountains in the foot of, in the foothills of the Chugach mountains are, probably way up there in my top favorite things to do as well, because you literally drive to a parking lot and then you're, you feel like you're in the middle of absolutely nowhere within just minutes of being in Anchorage, you know? Um, And I think that that's really special and it's not something that you can get in a lot of other places. So yeah, the Glen Alps hiking area, that is by far one of my top, top things to do. Yeah, totally agree with that one too. Yeah. Well, Dawn, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing all of this fun stuff about helicopters and your story about flying yourself. Thank you so much. Yes. Thanks, Jenny, for having me. I really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, I hope people will consider, you know, getting up in the air when they're here in Alaska because it's a totally different viewpoint. (laughs) Yeah, I hope so too. Well, thanks to all of you who are listening for joining us for this episode of Alaska Uncovered. Make sure to check out the show notes to get on my email list to get my Alaska travel tips every Wednesday. You don't want to miss those uh, in written form. And I've also got links to um, Alaska helicopter tours so you can learn more about the tours they offer offer and book if you want to book one for your trip. And I've also got links to my Alaska Adventure Travel Planner um, and my travel planning services down in the show notes. So check all of those out. And we'll see you next week. Bye for now.